Merry Christmas, church family. Merry Christmas, church family. We're ready to celebrate. We're ready to rejoice in what God has done and what we come to church and gather together for uh, at, at the Christmas season. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. Glad that you are here. It's good. We'll open God's word together in just a moment. Uh, love that our kids are headed off to class. I, was, I thought about this earlier today that... Um, we love having our kids in with us in worship. It's something we do intentionally. It's what we value having uh, our kids of all ages in with us as we begin uh, our worship gatherings each Sunday. Uh, but something uh, crossed my mind in a, in a way I hadn't thought of before and kind of struck me odd, and that is just the timing of our dismissing the kids, sending them off. It's always coinciding with me walking up here. I don't, are, we, are we conditioning our kids to, there's Pastor Derek, run. I mean, maybe I'm taking it too personal or something. Maybe, maybe I'm a little oversensitive. But man, I mean, we have a blast in here learning about Jesus. We're, we love that we can, um, that so many of, uh, of our church families serve and, and take care of and serve our kids and our teens and help them learn about Jesus as well. But uh, hopefully, they, uh, hopefully they still like me too or something. I don't know. Uh, grab your Bible and open to Luke chapter 1. We'll get there in just a minute, uh, but hopefully you've got a Bible with you. If you don't own one, we'd love to give you one. You can ask in the lobby at the Connection Center. We'd love to give you a Bible. Uh, bring a Bible each Sunday. You can use the digital one on your device if you want as well. It's a great way to do it. Open to Luke chapter 1, and we'll study God's Word in just a minute. Um, just a little side note, I was, I was thinking, I wanted us to all be thinking ahead as a church family as well, so as you look to the coming weeks and, and planning your family celebrations, let's make sure we include our church family celebrations. Our, our teaching series will continue the next two Sundays, and then want to make sure it's on your radar as well, that we're going to have a, a worship gathering on Christmas Eve, so love to have you make that part of your Christmas Eve celebration of of Jesus' birth, uh, be here and, and join in worship at four o'clock. It'll be a, a, a relatively brief, family-friendly um, Christmas Eve celebration, so I'd love to have you here for that. And then also, you'll see in your bulletin, there's some information about an upcoming opportunity, a special offering that we're gonna receive later in the month, and I just think that's a unique opportunity for us to kind of think ahead on and ask God to prepare us for uh, we exist as a church to help proclaim the good news of Jesus to all ages, and we exist as a church to proclaim the good news of Jesus near and far. And so um, in addition to your usual generous giving that supports the ministry of this church in this location, um, this month we're going to have a special offering as well. Uh, and, and I think that the, the, the causes are really neat. It's going to replenish our scholarship fund, which helps our own kids uh, go and experience camp and, and, and grow in their relationship with Jesus. It's going to replenish our, um, what we call our discipleship fund or our benevolent fund that is a great way that we as a church family can care for those that have needs uh, within our community. And also, we're going to establish a fund that, that relates to um, far missions and opportunities that God brings into our church family to, to take the good news of Jesus, to take God's love uh, to peoples all over the globe. So a couple of, of great opportunities for us there. You, there's more information in your bulletin, and, and I just want you to be thinking and asking God how we might participate as a church family in that. Sound good? Ready for, ready for time in God's word here? Before we get to Luke 1, here's where I want to start. Our emphasis last Sunday was that the baby born in Bethlehem, we just got done singing of the holy child in Bethlehem, 
And last Sunday, our, the emphasis in this teaching series that we're calling God with us, last Sunday's emphasis was that that baby, that baby born in a manger 2,000 years ago was and is God himself. That was our emphasis last Sunday. And we looked at Matthew chapter one, and it'll be on the screen. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. This is your chance to show me you're awake and ready to participate. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that's where we are. This series of messages in December, we're calling God with us because the baby in the manger is and was the second person of the Trinity, the God-man, the Son of God, the Son, uh, God himself incarnate, taking on flesh, uh, becoming a human, Emmanuel, God with us. And we exist as a church, as we said a minute ago, to proclaim this good news of Jesus. What is the good news of Jesus? The gospel, or is the good news that God rescues sinners, that, that God makes a way for those who are far from God to be made right with God. The good news of the gospel, and we certainly celebrate this at Christmas. Why did Jesus come? We celebrate the gospel, the good news that God rescues sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And how cool is it? What a joy is it? What an amazing grace of God that his rescue plan that his coming to save us, that his knowing that we need help and we need his gift of salvation, how great is it that God's rescue plan involves and included him coming to be with us? That's what we celebrate at Christmas, that, that, he, sent, that he came in person, that he sent his son to live among us and show us the way to new life. And so there's where we've been last Sunday and as we, as we began our series. And, and this morning, here's where we're going to be. Out of all the options that we could imagine of how God would go about this, coming to be with us, initiating his rescue plan, coming to provide for our salvation, out of all the ways we could think of that God would do that, how does he go about it? How does he make it happen? How does he become God with us? We're going to look a little bit at that. And so as we do, I want to ask us this question. I want you to think about this as, before we jump in here to Luke 1. Um, have, you ever, have you ever examined your circumstances, your, your life situation, what's going on in, in your relationships and in your circumstances? Have you ever thought about the way that God's purposes were unfolding in your life? Have you ever kind of thought you know, man, this is what God is up to and he's working in this way and this is how he's doing it and this is what's happening. And you thought, what's up with that? <laughs> it's kind of a head scratcher. You see his purposes unfolding. You know that he's at work, but you go, this is unexpected. This is not the way I thought it was gonna go. This is not my preferred uh, option. This is, maybe it's even a tough situation. Can you relate? Have you, have you experienced wondering what's going on in your life and what those circumstances are all about and what God's purposes might be? Do you have that situation in mind or more than one situation in mind? And then sometimes, though, do we get to the other end, not always perhaps, but do we sometimes get to the other end and be able to look back and in retrospect go, God knew exactly what he was doing. 
It was just the perfect thing that I needed or we needed. It was, it was unexpected in the moment. It was odd in the moment. It wouldn't, have, it wouldn't have been our choice of how things would go. And yet we look back and perhaps we can see that it's, that it's just what we needed. We'll open it. Hopefully your Bibles are open. Luke chapter 1. Let's start at verse 26. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But Mary was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Literally in the, in the, in the language there, it's grace. You have found grace with God. You, you are about to be a recipient of God's grace. How? Verse 31. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary must have been trying to absorb all this. And we see Mary's response in verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be? How are you gonna do that, God? How will, verse 34 tells us that Mary says, how will this be since I am a virgin? And literally, in the original language there, she says, how will this be since I know no man? So what, is, what does Mary know? Mary's aware of the birds and the bees. She, she's been educated on how this, this is supposed to go. But her question tells us something pretty cool about her. Her question, how will this be, indicates not only is she aware of the birds and the bees, but, but she goes, how will this be? She knows it's not possible for her to be pregnant because she knows the birds and the bees. How will this be since I have a virgin, since I know no man? But her question also shows us something else that's neat about her. She figures, she assumes God can do it some other way. Her question is, okay, well, how? Because I know something that it shouldn't be possible. So how, God, will this be? Verse 35, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age also has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. So Mary says to the angel in verse 34, how will this be? And part of the angel's answer is, 
Nothing is impossible with God. Verse 38, and Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, I want to kind of finish off that story. What happens next with the, with the passages we already looked at last Sunday in, back in Matthew chapter 1, uh, verses 18 and following? You can flip there if you want, but you also can just listen. From last week's passage, we looked at Matthew 1, verse 18, and it says this, before they came together, in other words, before Mary and Joseph came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And we skip to verse 33, uh, sorry, 23. This is the verse I just read a few minutes ago. The prophet predicted years before these events, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 24, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. So these verses that we've just read, these two passages, Luke and, and Matthew's accounts of the birth of Jesus, have, have just described to us something that really has in some ways become known as the virgin birth. The fact that, that Jesus was born to his human mother Mary, despite the fact that Mary had never had sexual relations with a man. We have the virgin birth. God put his rescue plan into action. God set apart to rescue sinners like you and me, rebellious against God, going away from him, and God enacted his rescue plan, and he sent his son to be God with us, and how did he go about that? God sent his son, the long-foretold promised Messiah, the rescuer that God's people had been looking forward to, that they, that they knew was gonna come and, and conquer and set things right and rule. And how did God go about becoming God with us? A baby in a manger? And, and how'd, the, how'd the baby get there? A virgin birth? Eyebrow raised. Really? Is this the way that God is choosing to work? Is this how he's gonna set apart, is set about his rescue plan? Perhaps this, I asked you a moment ago to think of a time when you've seen God's purposes in your life unfolding and, and it been a head scratcher, been a bit unexpected, been a bit confusing, perhaps not been the, the way that you had in mind. I'm pretty sure that this is not what Joseph had in mind for the beginning of his relationship. This is unexpected. This is confusing. This is God at work, but going, huh, really? This is what you're gonna be doing? But we're gonna look now uh, for the next few minutes at three ways that the virgin birth is exactly what was needed. As how, uh, we're gonna look for at three ways that, that it's so clear that God uh, that, that he worked in significant ways through the, through the virgin birth, that this was God's perfect plan, that it's just what we need. And I'm adapted this from my studies of a theologian named Wayne Grudem, so I'm gonna be using some of his, the, the points that he made. Number one, the virgin birth 
made possible the uniting of full deity and full humanity in one person. We teach and believe that Jesus is the God-man, fully God and fully human. And the virgin birth brought about the possibility of uniting full humanity, full being real, true human being, and, and Jesus being full, true God, the virgin birth made possible the uniting of full deity, godness, and full humanity, humanness, in one person. Now, how, how could God, I mean, because I, I think if our imaginations, if we let our imaginations go, and we, if we would have come up with the plan, or if we would have tried to figure out what else could have God done to do this, you know, we need a savior, he wants to send his son, he decides it's going to be God with us, how could he have gone about that? Well, certainly, our great God could have stayed on high, up in heaven, formed together the human Jesus, and then created the human Jesus, and then let Jesus descend to earth with having no human parents. Could God have done that? Yeah. God could have done that, his plan to be with us, his, initiated his rescue plan to send his son. He could have made Jesus in heaven, had him descend. He had no earthly parents. And then what about you and I? And what about our relationship with Jesus? And what about our understanding? I think it would have been hard for us to see how Jesus could really be human like us. We wouldn't, would we relate to him the same if we thought, well, God made him up there and sent him down. And not, only, and not only that, but if that was the way it had gone down, Jesus wouldn't really be part of the human race that descended from Adam and Eve, like you and I. And that's very significant. What else could God have done? Well, uh, God could have, hey, I've got my rescue plan. I want to send my son. I want him to be God with us. So here's what we're going to do. Jesus will be born of two human parents. That's, that could have been God's plan. He could have had that happen. Let's see, I'll, I'll have Jesus be born of two human parents, and then sometime after his birth, I'll grab divinity, I'll grab godness, and I'll merge it with Jesus. Seems like an option. But then, it would be hard for us, I don't know about you, but it'd be hard for me to see that Jesus as truly God because his origin would be just like ours, right? Two human parents is our experience. That's how we have become part of the human race. And so we would say, really, is he, is he fully God? He was born just like me. And so Wayne Grudem says this, instead, God in his wisdom ordained a combination of human and divine influence in the birth of Christ so that his full humanity, so that Jesus' full, true human identity would be evident to us from the fact of his ordinary human birth to a human mother. And his full deity, his full true identity as God would be evident to us from the fact of his conception by the powerful work of God, the Holy Spirit. And I read this quote last week, but I want to read it again. The incarnation, God taking on flesh, God becoming, coming to be with us. This is the most amazing event in all history. The eternal, omnipotent, omnipresent, infinitely holy son of God took on human nature and lived among us 
as one who was both God and man at the same time. So number one, the virgin birth makes possible the uniting of full deity, full God and full man. That's number one about the virgin birth. Number two, the virgin birth also makes possible Jesus' true humanity without inherited sin. And this is an imp- a significant theological point because what do we know from the time of the earliest chapters of the Bible, from the, from the earliest humans, Adam and Eve, what we know is that ever since Adam and Eve went against God and, and, and ate the forbidden fruit, ever since they fell short of God's glory, ever since they disobeyed, ever since they fell into sin, every human being since, you and I included, is born Sinful. And not only are we born, not, are we, not only are we by nature sinful, rebellious against God, but we choose sin as well. And so ever since Adam and Eve um, went against God, all humans are born sinful. And we call Adam and Eve's sin original sin. And, and because then it has been passed through all humans since, we have what we would call inherited sin. But the virgin birth made it possible for Jesus to be truly human, like you and I, but without inherited sin. How? We read it earlier, Luke 1, 35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, Mary, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. The virgin birth makes possible Jesus to be fully human and yet not have inherited sin because this miraculous conception by the Holy Spirit, this conceiving of a child inside Mary by the power of God himself, by the power of the Holy Spirit, this miraculous conception prevented the transmission of original sin. And so now we have a true human who is without sin which becomes massively important, and we'll talk more about that next Sunday, for him to be our savior, our rescuer, because he lives the life without sin that you and I are not capable of so that he can be the perfect substitute and perfect sacrifice for our sin. The virgin birth made it possible that Jesus was truly human, but without inherited sin. And number three, and this is the one I want us to think about. This is an important one. The virgin birth shows that salvation ultimately must come from the Lord. I love this about the virgin birth. We, we, come, we encounter this all the time as a church family as we study God's word. We, we come upon this, this incredibly important truth all the time. And in my opinion, or not in my opinion, in, in, in reality, here the virgin birth is just another way that God makes it obvious that salvation, that being made right with God is an act of God. The the, the virgin birth makes it obvious that there is no way that you and I as humans can rescue ourselves. Because if we would have said about, we need a rescuer, we would have tried to do it on our own, we tried to, you know, come up with Jesus, how would Jesus have been born? We can't do it. The virgin birth shows that salvation ultimately comes from God that it could never be from our own human efforts. 
And here's what we need to be faced with today and, and every Christmas is number one, we need rescue. We are people who need rescue. Not only initially when we become followers of Jesus, when we are saved from sin and death, but we need rescue daily. We need transformation into the likeness of Jesus. We are people who need rescue. We need to be faced with that. And we need to be faced, number two, that we can't rescue ourselves. That we're not going to be able to enact a rescue plan that is going to work. That we're not going to be able to put into, we're not going to be able to try hard or do certain things or be a good person or, or come up with a way that is going to make us right with God. And the virgin birth makes it clear that it is only God's supernatural working that brings about our salvation. Being made right with God being put back in relationship with God, being forgiven of sin, being brought from death to life, being brought out of the darkness and into the light is a work of God. And continuing to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus, the idea of sanctification as we become more like Jesus, as we follow Jesus, that is God's supernatural working. And it's evident from the very beginning, from the supernatural conception of Jesus, the God-man who was just what and who we needed. Strange method, unexpected method, virgin birth, tiny baby, what's the deal, God? Is this really how you're gonna work? Are you, are you coming to rescue me or not? Is this the promised Messiah? But yes, the virgin birth tells us it's God's perfect plan and exactly what, who was needed. That's the good news of Christmas, church family, that God sent his son, that, that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And I'm not sure, and why I ask us to think about and wrestle with and be faced with our need for rescue is because I'm not sure we are gonna fully uh, experience the joy of the Christmas season. I'm not sure we're gonna find hope, the hope candle. I'm not sure we're gonna find hope in Jesus in the Christmas season. I'm not sure we're gonna experience the peace that is possible with God unless we first know that we need rescue, that we need a savior, that the Advent, cal uh, Advent cal candles remind us each Sunday as Christmas approaches that Jesus is coming, that a savior is coming, that we need to look forward to being rescued. If we, I, I don't believe that we will truly embrace and enjoy the, the love and the joy and the hope and the peace of the Christmas season if we don't first go, I need rescue. I need a savior. And so that makes me thankful. I ask you uh, this morning to think about what are those circumstances in your life that you see playing out, that you see how God is at work, that you see his purposes unfolding, but you go, man, that's not my choice. That's not what I would have picked. Because, and I've got those and you've got those, I am thankful that salvation comes from God and is not dependent on me, my efforts, my human efforts. Because right now in my life, in the life of my family, uh, there, are, there are, are head scratchers. 
There are unfolding circumstances of God's purposes, of God's working in the lives of my family and I, where we go, really? This is how, how you want it, want it to go? This is confusing, Lord. This is hard. But our hope, our peace, comes in knowing that God is at work for our good and his glory all the time. That, that even when the unfolding is confusing or odd or unexpected or a method we wouldn't choose, that it's just what we need, just who we need. And so that's why we're gonna take even another look next Sunday as we continue this series called God With Us. Next Sunday, we're gonna look even closer at, we've already looked at the fact that the baby in the manger is God. And now we're, we're, today we've looked at that, that, that God through the virgin birth united divinity and humanity, full human, fully God. And, and next Sunday, I want us to look a little closer at, at why did Jesus need to be human? When God set about his rescue plan, when God wanted to be God with us, and when God wanted to save us from sin and death, why is it, is it so critical that Jesus is fully human? We're gonna take a closer look at that next Sunday. But for today, uh, let me invite you to stand, if you would. And for today, I want us to reflect and rejoice on this. And we'll put this verse up on the screen, and I'd like to invite you to read it aloud with me. This is where I want us to, to close for today, reflecting and rejoicing on this. So let's read it aloud together, and don't read it aloud monotone with me. Read it aloud like we're at a Christmas worship gathering. Okay, church family? Here we go. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. One more time. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Friends, a Savior that we need. A Savior who is God himself. A Savior who is God with us. Father, thank you that you, our loving Father, have come to be with us. Father, thank you that you, our great God on high, have come to be with us, that you have set about your rescue plan by sending your son, by, by him being the word incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us. God, we worship you this morning. We praise you in the miraculousness, the miraculous truth and the historical reality of the virgin birth. We thank you in amazement and we, and we worship you in amazement at the, at the reality and the historical truth of a miraculous conception of the uniting of deity and humanity. We worship you this morning in awe, God, of how you bring about your purposes and you bring about our rescue by sending your son, the God-man, the just, the rescuer that we need. So God, thank you that it is not about me and what I do and how I match up. Thank you, God, that it is not about us and what we do, but that it is all about 
what Jesus has already done. So Father, as your plan unfolds in our lives, as we experience things, as we go through things, as we have uh, interact in our relationships and in our spheres of influence and in our activities, God, while your purpose is unfolding, may at times seem confusing, while we, while we might feel this is unexpected, while this might even be painful or difficult, what not what we would choose, God, would you help us to trust that you are at work for our good and your glory? God, would you help us to know and trust that you are bringing about our salvation, that you are working out things just the way they need to be according to your perfect plan. So God, we, we wanna continue in worship of you now. We wanna celebrate as a church family. We wanna celebrate Christmas. We wanna worship and thank you that you came to be with us. So as the ushers come now to receive our financial offerings, God, I pray that we would also offer ourselves in other ways, that you, would, that you would call us to worship in other ways, that you would draw our eyes upward to you, that we would offer prayers of dependence, that we would offer songs of thankfulness, that we would offer our gifts, and even more, that as we continue to follow you, knowing that we have God with us. Would you help us to offer you all that we are? Help us to offer you our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.